Football systems check. Microphone. Check. Record enabled. Kate. Check. Michelle. Check. All systems go. I repeat, all systems go. We got a problem. We got a problem. Copy. We have ball blast. I repeat, we have ball blast. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. You know, you're kind of the talk of the town. Oh, this is going to be good. I'm Michelle Majuk. And I'm Kate Majuk. And we're married. To each other. And this is the Ball Blast NFL Podcast. Each episode, we will feature the latest top news in the NFL and what it means for fantasy football, sports betting, and you, the NFL fan. Ayo. Hey, welcome into the Ball Blast Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Majuk, a researcher at NFL Network and fantasy analyst at NFL.com. And I'm Kate, the editor-in-chief of Behind the Steel Curtain, covering all things Pittsburgh Steelers, fantasy football analyst for Pro Football Focus, Yahoo Fantasy, yada, yada, yada. And we're headed into week two. Yeah, folks. we are. How was your week one, Michelle? Tell us all about it. Not fantastic. Uh, a lot of things didn't go my way. I just feel like everybody had a bad performance or there was huge injuries that we definitely need to discuss. Right off the bat here, I have a lot of Garrett Wilson. So yeah. not not thrilled about this Aaron Rodgers injury. He tore his Achilles. Now, yeah. play of the game. Uh, we got one mm. pass attempt out of him. No completions. He's done for the season. This really, really sucks for Garrett Wilson. Like, so bad. Because it's not that he's going to be useless, right? He's still, you could still play him in fantasy, but we were drafting him as if he had top five upside, right? And you thought, at the very worst, top 12, top 10. But we've seen now, Zach Wilson does not know how to throw a ball. And we already saw in this week one where Garrett Wilson had to basically intercept an interception to even catch the touchdown, which was the only thing that saved his fantasy day. Which it was like the best. Oh, it was amazing. It sucks when the best catch that you're going to see all year comes in week one. Because you're like, well, now, like, what am I? There'll be other good ones. But this, I mean, this just really stinks for those of us who took Garrett Wilson early because this is the whole reason he was being drafted this high was because of Aaron Rodgers. On the real, though, do we ever see Aaron Rodgers play football again? That's my question. Yeah, he'll be back next year. He's going to be 40 years old. Like, 40 years old, returning from a ruptured Achilles. I just don't think he's going to allow this to be the way he leaves. I get, like, I get the mental stubbornness, but this is a guy that already was debating retiring this offseason. Yeah. Like, maybe. I feel like he really thought there was something here with the Jets, and he might want to try to play it out, but... Yeah, I mean, if you're able to sell Garrett Wilson, like to trade him high, though, like I'm not just saying trade him for anything, but off of the Garrett Wilson name, and maybe someone's not so scared of the Aaron Rodgers injury and they're just super high in Garrett Wilson, maybe they just see that fantasy stat line where it looked good because of the touchdown. I would try to, you know, trade him for another really good uh, wide receiver, maybe one that disappointed last week. Like Drake London? No, not Drake London. <laughs> that is not that is not one. But we'll talk about okay. Drake London later. But give give our listeners like an example of a player that you think at least is in a comparable range that you would be like if the you know if these couple of players were were prompted to you in you know a, a trade for Garrett Wilson you would smash accept. Give us some names. 
Amon Ross St. Brown, but I don't think anyone's going to no, do nobody, that. Literally nobody's going to do that. Okay. What about T Higgins who just said eight targets for zero receptions? Would you rather get Wilson or T Higgins? Um, I think that's the line right there where you have to kind of decide. Yeah. Something like that. Maybe you can go get DK Metcalf. Jahan Dotson. I think that's too low. <laughs> I don't know. I really like Jahan Dotson, but maybe maybe you can trade Garrett Wilson for Jahan Dotson plus something else. And it's not going to be an easy thing to pull off, but just see what your league mates are feeling. Maybe you can, you know, retain some of that value. I'm just really worried that as we go further on to the season, Garrett Wilson's value is going to drop and drop and drop with Zach Wilson. And that that worries me. And the team did come out to say Robert Sala said Zach's our guy. Like there's been all this speculation. What if they what if they contact Tom Brady? And what they don't they... have Mike White or Joe Flacco anymore. It's Tim Boyle if Zach Wilson doesn't I'm sorry. succeed. What, so. what an unfortunate name. Yeah. Yeah, that's a gross name. It's just a gross <laughs> name. And, like, it, Tim Boyle is not a starting quarterback in the NFL. Ugh. Tim Boyle. Another big injury, another Achilles injury, J.K. Dobbins. Brutal. Yeah, he cannot stay on the field. So he was having a, a nice game. Um, he probably would have had a, a huge game if it wasn't for tearing his Achilles because Justice Hill ended up scoring two touchdowns after that injury. And J.K. Dobbins already had one touchdown. So that could have been a three rushing touchdown day for Dobbins. But he's now done for the year. And now we have to look at is it Justice Hill or is it Gus Edwards that is going to be the lead back here? I think it's going to be Gus Edwards that takes over the J.K. Dobbins role with Justice Hill so coming in like he was when Dobbins was out there. I just think that they trust Gus Edwards. He has the frame for it. He has the experience. Justice Hill is still a viable pickup because I think he'll have some splash plays. He'll get some opportunities maybe around the goal line. But what way would you go? I I think Justice Hill probably has a little bit more upside, but like you said, like this team has gone back to the well for Gus Edwards over and over and over again. Like this team loves him, but I do think the, the usage of Justice Hill, like he was used in, I think some more valuable situations for fantasy. Um, You know, after Dobbins went out, we saw a fairly even deployment between Gus Edwards, Justice Hill, but Justice Hill Justice Hill was the one to get, you know, the the goal line carries, which obviously those are generally a lot more valuable than the carries that you're going to see around the rest of the field. I think that could change up, though. Like, I think they'll end up giving Gus Edwards some as well. This could be a total 50-50 split, you know, but having a running back for the Ravens is kind of one of those touchdown or bust type plays. And you're going to get some production out of them. It might just be a hard uh, to figure out when that comes. Uh, Deontay Johnson wide receiver for the Steelers is going to be out at least a few weeks with a hamstring injury. Could be even longer than that. I mean, it was just, uh, it's (laughs) week one for the Steelers was so brutal guys. As you know, as many of you know, we're huge Steelers fans and week one sucked. Yeah, um, there was not a moment of that game that gave us any hope. And now the Justin's out. (laughs) The only moment that like I kind of felt better, Michelle, you were you were working the game. I was working the game and you typoed Christian McCaffrey and accidentally wrote Christina McCaffrey, (laughs) which like now I can't get that out of my head. Like the the guy that ran all over the Steelers will forever be known to me as Christina McCaffrey because there's no other way 
to do that it That did give us a really good giggle. I think that's the only time <laughs> we smiled maybe uh, during that game because what a miserable game. The Steelers' offense looked terrible, but I, I do think they'll look better when they're not facing the 49ers. I don't know how much better, but they'll look better. So George Pickens did very little, right? I don't. They didn't utilize him very much. He did have one nice catch and uh, play, but George Pickens with Deontay Johnson out should be – a pretty good start moving forward. Yeah, I think if like the the offense can just be average, that's a big tall that's a big tall order. Um, I do think you know obviously you're going to be excited about George Pickens. He's got a you know a great rapport with Kenny Pickett if they can actually move the ball. Um, Allen Robinson, I thought was kind of a surprise. Led the team in targets in Week One. Obviously, you had. Deontay Johnson missing about like half the game there um, was a very pass heavy game for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I expect that to go to way decrease down, yeah. quite significantly. Um, but I do think that Pickens is going to be the primary winner. And then I think the rest of those targets are going to kind of just be sprinkled throughout the offense. Yeah. You might see Calvin you know, Austin's going to get, targets i would say he's probably the most like low-key winner out of all of this this you know he was getting targets even before deontay johnson went down like they were they were manufacturing touches which is like a big uh, matt canada i can't uh, matt canada yeah um anyways before we get into today's podcast we're because we're gonna go over everything week two right guys who had surprising performances last week do we think those will carry on uh, biggest risers, biggest fallers heading into this week. We have a ton to talk about. But before we get into that, I really did just want to say, take a deep breath. It's week one. We don't need a panic, right? Especially for fantasy football, because we always see these type of week one performances. I just want to remind you, last year after week one, Carson Wentz was the quarterback three in fantasy on the week. Yeah. Justin Fields was the quarterback 23. Fields ended up being the quarterback five in the season and Wentz ended up being benched and pointless for like almost the entire year. These were the top 10 fantasy running backs after week one of last year. I'm not going to read through them all, but I'll read through all the random ones in the, the, again, just only in the top 10 Clyde Edwards, Alaire, Cordell Patterson, Deandre Swift, Kareem Hunt, Dontrell Hilliard, James Robinson, (laughs) AJ Dillon. Now that is six running or one, two, three, four, five, six, seven running backs out of 10. I just named, they were all in the top 10 in week one last year. And then pretty much didn't do much of anything else. Uh, Tony Pollard, Ramondre Stevenson, they were out of the top 50 last year. Austin Eckler ended as a running back 28 in week one, and then was the overall running back after that. And then the wide receivers too. these, some of these guys were in the top 12 last year, Michael Pittman, Michael Thomas, Devin Duvernay, Robbie Anderson, Robbie Anderson, Robbie Anderson, Gabe Davis. They were all in the top 12 last year. We know it didn't end up nice for any of them the rest of the year. Tyreek Hill was wide receiver 21. DK Metcalf was wide receiver 63. CD Lamb was wide receiver 75. T Higgins was wide receiver 77. So we can all breathe because they all ended up being really good. And you don't even want to know the top tight ends after week one last year. I kind of do. Um, I, I bet you like nobody could name any of them except for Travis Kelsey at the top because duh. The other ones in the top six, OJ Howard, oh my God. Taysom Hill, Jared, <laughs> Gerald Everett, Will Disley, Col- Colby Parkinson. Those were the top six tight ends after week one last year. We know nothing yet. That's just why I want to make it clear. Don't go selling 
guys that had bad performances just because of yeah. one week. It's a long season. There's a lot still to Take learn. a chill pill, y'all. Yes. Now that we say that, we are going to start uh, getting <laughs> Let's in. overreact. Yeah, we're probably going to overreact a little bit to some of these. Um, before we do that again, though, we had week one bets. Yeah, we did. We had some week one bets. Uh, I said that uh, J.K. Dobbins was going to outscore Damian Pierce, and he did it even tearing an Achilles halfway through the game. Ooh. So take a drink because you lost. <laughs> you lost miserably. You should take two drinks for that. My guy tore his Achilles and still beat yours. Okay. Okay. And then we had the second battle, Mike Williams versus Chris Godwin. And you won that. You did not smash. You won it slightly. Smashed it. So I will take a drink for that one. Um, And then we'll have to make some more bets for this week. But I'm just happy to get one on you because normally you always win everything we bet on. You're welcome. You're welcome. All right. Let's jump into some surprising performances from week one. And if we think... You know, if they're going to hold up or not. So right off the bat, Brees Hall. Brees Hall. Oh, my God, guys. He played 17 snaps. (laughs) And he had 10 carries for 127 yards plus a reception for 20 yards. Like 147 yards, 11 touches on 17 snaps. Every time he touched the ball, he just like went for 20 plus yards. Like it was just, he looked just like he did last year. And yeah, they were truthful in saying they were going to limit his snaps at first. That's fine with me. Like keep limiting his snaps until he gets, you know, fully back to a hundred percent health because damn dude looks good when he gets some breaks on the sideline. Yeah. And that's kind of, I mean, last year he wasn't getting all the work, right? But so this is him. He's really good, even if he doesn't get a ton of touches. And I think if you drafted Brees Hall, where he was going, you're thrilled right now. And you have a guy you can plug and play, and he has a super high ceiling in any given week and a pretty nice floor as well. And Dalvin Cook didn't look nearly as good as Brees Hall, like not even close. Yeah, I like the difference between the two just looks so much more explosive. But I I just think right out of the gate, you just have to be – so thrilled with how explosive he looks like there you would have never guessed that he was coming off a toward ACL and that that was his first game returning like now he does play against Dallas this week are we worried at all you just plug in and brace all I think because of his ability to break runs like you you start him no matter what um you know obviously super super efficient I don't think there is a a whole lot to compete with there in that offense but um uh, you know, I think you're going to definitely temper expectations a little bit more against the Dallas defense. And your your hope is that he breaks off those runs. Yeah, I'm probably sitting Dalvin Cook in this matchup, but I'm still willing yes, to play Brees absolutely. Hall. Uh, two teams that are playing each other. Uh, Bengals offense was atrocious. Uh, they scored three points. Joe Burrow had 82 passing yards and zero touchdowns. And then Lamar Jackson. So we got some production out of Zay Flowers at least. Right. You looked fantastic. You got you something amazing. out of J.K. Dobbins before he got injured. You got, you know, the offense in general wasn't as bad as the Bengals was. But Lamar Jackson for fantasy was really, really bad. Only 169 passing yards. And the bigger concern is only six carries for 38 rushing yards, which is something I did say, by the way. I, I didn't know if this offensive coordinator change was technically a good thing for Lamar. Now, it's only week one. We'll see uh, what happens here. But bad fantasy week for both Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson. And 
Joe Burrow only having 82 passing yards then made it an incredibly bad week for Jamar Chase and T Higgins who had eight targets for zero receptions. Yeah. Absolutely <laughs> wild. Who do you feel better about in week two? Is it Joe Burrow or Lamar Jackson? Who do you think bounces back? Or do you think both do? I think both of them bounce back at, at you know, just based on the rushing production, it wouldn't surprise me if Jackson outscored Burrow this week, but I think you're going to continue to see him, you know, warming up. Um, you know, Burrow didn't play the preseason, missed most of training camp with that calf injury. We saw the same thing last year. Like he was a, he was a mitigated disaster. They opened the the season against the Pittsburgh Steelers. What I think he threw four interceptions in week one, like Joe Burrow took a minute to warm up a little bit. And I, I think we're probably going to see much of the same thing. But this is an AFC North showdown, and I feel like we kind of know how these showdowns go. I wouldn't be surprised if it was kind of a a little bit of a struggle on both sides, but I, I definitely think we're going to see each of them progress. And they actually, the Ravens defense didn't shut down CJ Stroud as much as I thought they were going to, and Nico Collins got it done, and Robert Woods got tired. Like, so Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, you're plugging them in. I don't think this Ravens secondary is scary, and you got to just keep sticking with Lamar, and hopefully he rushes a bit more. And the Texans defense last year, if you remember, they actually were really good against stopping the pass because teams typically just ran a ton on them. So I don't think there's too much here on uh, either side. You you play them both and you play their weapons. Yeah. Uh, but only Zay Flowers for Lamar Jackson, though. And if Mark Andrews is back this week, I'm not even necessarily pumped to start Zay Flowers either. I might want to see another week of him before I trust that. At least one week with him playing with Mark Andrews because we know Mark Andrews is... He's obviously going to be the the target hog yeah here uh puka nakua talking about a target ooh, hog ooh. a fifth round rookie for the rams got 15 targets in his very first nfl game 10 receptions 119 yards he had over 40 percent of the rams team targets in week one matthew stafford likes to hyper target his wide receiver one yeah like yeah. he's using him like he would use cooper cup yeah and who knows if this can hold up, but you don't just get 15 targets if you're not someone that the quarterback trusts. So it's very interesting. Now, this week, he does get the 49ers. So yeah, if you big break pump. So if you drafted him late or you picked him up, if you're one of the winners off waivers this week for him, it's a little worrisome to start him against the 49ers. Now, Last year, the 49ers did allow a lot of fantasy points to wide receivers. So maybe it's just the Steelers offense. That's that incredibly bad. Would not be it surprising. Could but... be. So I don't think Puka Nakua is ne- necessarily someone you have to sit just because of the defensive matchup. But I don't expect, you know, 10 receptions for 119 yards again. What about Tutu Atwell? Also had 119 yards. Yeah, he did. Are we like, I, I don't know why. So for a person who loves Tank Dell. And is all team Tank Dell, little guy. I can't get over Tutu Atwell being so small. What is he like? He looks smaller. He right. He looks like he plays smaller, but then he's producing. So like, well, finally he's producing. Finally he's producing. It's his third year, and he's finally putting up. You know, he had a good game. I want to see more from him before I. If he you know puts together a string of good games, then sure, yeah. 
so you start to trust him, but I'm not trusting him in my lineup this week, especially okay. in this matchup. And then our top three quarterbacks, our top three fantasy quarterbacks right Bizarre. now entering week two, Tua, Tungavailoa, Mac Jones, and Jordan Love. Those are our top three guys. Tua, I do believe, is going to have other big games, right? We saw it from him last year. We saw huge games from him, even bigger games than this. He had a six touchdown game and like, and then we saw weeks where he just completely disappeared. He was a very inconsistent scorer. I did want to bring up really quick his schedule because it's brutal. So over the next seven weeks, he has to face the Patriots twice, the Broncos, the Bills and the Eagles. So in five of the next seven games, those are really, really hard matchups. And then to look even further in the fantasy playoffs, he has to face the Jets and the Cowboys. He has to face both of them back-to-back Ooh, in the fantasy that's... playoffs. Those are the worst two defenses you can ever imagine to have to face. Sell. <laughs> yeah. So I think off of this massive performance and with a guy like, you know, Justin Fields really, really bombed or Joe Burrow, see if you can just do a trade trade up, especially like two of for Fields. You might be able to get that done. I would rather have like Fields had the worst day possible, like such a terrible day. And he still scored like 15 points. He, he just yeah. doesn't. He's never going to bomb for you. And I, like I said, I think Tua will have other big games, but especially like this week, he has to go up in in New England, play the Patriots. I'm expecting a not a super insane game from him. Yeah, I think that's. But right now, his value couldn't be higher. So I'm looking to uh, get a return out of that and move on before he has to deal with all of these terrible matchups. Yeah, I I don't think I realize. And like this week specifically, even if you're kind of confident into a long term and you're, you you want to buy in, like Miami Dolphins have to go into New England this week. Like it, it's not, you know, I, I think they do definitely seem to have this, like any any team that goes to Miami, it feels like Miami has the edge. I don't know if it's the humidity or you know, I've I've heard rumblings that like, oh, teams love to party when they go to Miami and then, you know, it's a distraction. Like, I don't know what it is about Miami. They have the edge there. They definitely do not have the edge in New England. Yeah. And I wanna I wanna emphasize that. So like even if you're bought into Tua But Jalen Hurts just had uh, you know, a rough fantasy day putting up twelve and a half points and we know how great and explosive that Eagles offense is and the Patriots were able to slow them down. So like I said, Tyreek Hill is still a fine play. Jalen Waddle, you can play if he's healthy. He's dealing with oblique injury. Check on that. I, I just I don't want to trust Tua this week. And then what about Jordan Love and Mac Jones? Like Mac Jones, he puts up three hundred sixteen yards, three touchdowns against the Eagles fine right and he does get the dolphins this week that's like that's kind of like if i had to play one of these quarterbacks i'd definitely be playing mac jones i don't know hopefully you don't have to play mac jones because i I don't want to trust that but then also if you pick him up you got to drop him after that because then he plays the jets and the cowboys and there's not a chance in hell i'm playing mac jones against either of those defenses and then jordan love i mean it was his first you know time as a full-time starter for the packers 23 fantasy points, 245 yards, three touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, his guys were wide open, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that was just the Chicago Bears defense, which has been incredibly bad over the last Mm -hmm. couple of years, or Jordan Love being great. Maybe a little bit of both, right? 
I again, I don't really want to start Jordan Love this week against the Falcons. I don't think it's a terrible start. I'm just not ready to say he's a weekly fantasy start just yet. I yeah, I think that's very much fair. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't have any any gripe about that. But it that. was really good that, you know, Romeo Dobbs got two touchdowns. Love to see that. And if he gets back Christian Watson, like he didn't even have Christian Watson in this game and he had a nice fantasy day. So it's definitely like I don't want to drop him. And if you have to play him this week, I don't think it's going to be bad. I just would prefer to keep him on my bench. And but if you need to play him, I think that's OK. And yeah, so don't drop him. But it was promising to see him do that especially without even Christian Watson and just even seeing like the the offense like I I think this was a good like good job Jordan Love especially um but also I I want to give kudos to just like the overall offense it was just humming and it didn't really seem like there you know I think everybody kind of projected this huge ginormous drop off and so far we haven't seen it and I I think that's just an overall encouraging sign um now on the rushing side of the ball you had Aaron Jones who had an absolute monster day um suffered an injury is there any like saw AJ Dillon absolutely struggle in this game can you trust if you know Aaron Jones is going to be limited in this game or if he's out can you go back to AJ Dillon after the disastrous week one that he had I think you have to. He should get a ton of volume if that's the case. It's kind of like playing any of these guys. I mean, hey, people picked up Gus Edwards and Kyron Williams and Josh Kelly and Zach Moss this week, right? And you're considering playing them. I, I put A.J. Dillon right in that bucket. You're considering playing them because of possible volume. A.J. Dillon, 13 carries for 19 yards in week one. Yeah, it was bad against the Bears defense, too. So, But you do you love to see 13 carries yeah. for a backup running back. You like to see that. You do. I, I think he's a viable option against the Falcons if Aaron Jones is out. If Aaron Jones plays, even if they say he'll be limited, I'm, I'm still not starting. Dillon, let's get into the biggest risers. After week one, heading into week two, guys were really excited to – maybe not really excited, right? But guys that – their value has increased the most. So Travis Etienne of the Jaguars, everyone yeah. was crapping on Travis Etienne this offseason because Tank Bigsby was going to come in here and steal his job because he's so good. He had seven carries for 13 yards, 1.9 yards per To carry. be fair, I was one of those people, and I wasn't saying Tank Bigsby was going to steal his job. Well, everyone I was saying else that was. he was going to eat into the workload. Well, he did not. He, he did. Got, he, he got seven carries. Okay. Which, seven carries. The, I mean, guys are gonna have. I know carries. Just, he had only one target, which I think that was huge because we saw Travis Etienne with five targets. Got a rushing touchdown. He did. He did. That's where he did steal his work. He stole a rushing touchdown. Etienne also had a rushing touchdown. Etienne had eighteen carries, and also Etienne played eighty percent of the offensive snaps. Yeah, only CMC and James Conner played more snaps for their team this week. So love to see that for Travis Etienne. He's a weekly must start moving forward until maybe Tank Bigsby, you know, starts to steal more work. But he's not going to steal more work with that 1.9 yards per carry. That's for sure. Another, I just brought him up. James Conner played 83% of his team snaps. Only Christian McCaffrey played more. Led all running backs in PFF rushing grade, five targets, five receptions, eight yards. You don't love to see the eight yards, but you love to see the targets. And I don't like, I I think with Josh Dobbs under center, we're going to 
probably expect some more targets there, was the third best pass blocker among running backs per PFF. And Washington, like, well, uh, the commanders have a really good defensive line. So it's not it's not easy to do the short uh, passes against them. It's not easy to run against them. So against the Giants this week, I like James Conner a ton, a ton, a ton, because he's going to get so much work. Has a couple of tough matchups after this, this yeah. game against the Giants. So I think if you have James Conner, you find a way to get him in your lineup. Gets the Cowboys, then the 49ers, which you don't love. Yeah, you don't love that, but you do love him against the Giants this week. So we'll take yes. it one week at a time. Smash start. Yeah, we really like James Conner this week. Another guy I'm saying you can start him. It's Tyler Algier. The Surprise. Yeah, it's it's a committee here with the Falcons, and that might be okay because there's so much to go around because all this team wants to do is run. So we had a great day out of uh, Bijan Robinson. as a He put up over 20 fantasy points. He looked amazing. He looked so good. Like, I'm happy with that performance. But Tyler Algier was the one to lead the team in carries. Uh, he got the all the goal line work. I think that's my biggest worry. Uh, Algier got four carries inside the eight yard line. Uh, they, all of the carries inside the 10 went to Tyler Algier, none to Bijan Robinson. Robinson did get the receiving touchdown. So that was good. And Bijan did play more snaps. He played 65% of the snaps. Algier played 54%. But I, I think this is going to be two guys. You can start every week with Bijan being the guy that has top five potential in any given week and Tyler Algier. It is a really nice RB2 you can plug in. And I kind of see this as like the Mark Ingram, Alvin Kamara backfield from when Kamara was a rookie. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I, I do expect that, you know, as the season goes on, we'll probably continue to see, you know, a slight uptick in work for Bijan. Yeah. But and hopefully I more think, goal line work for Bijan. Yeah, and, you know, but like I, I think what you like about Bijan was involved as a receiver. You love to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, Tyler Algier, though, I think his floor as a rusher is just generally going to be pretty safe. Like I think you could probably expect RB3 production at the very least – and you know, yeah, he's a, like if you're looking for an RB two to plug in because you have an injury or a, a flex, like Tyler Algier is definitely a playable asset. Like at least for now, we'll see if his usage goes down at all. But like in week two, plug him into your lineup. Uh, do you like James Conner or Tyler Algier more this week? James Conner, same, same. James Conner or Travis Etienne? You probably don't have to decide between those two. You probably don't have to. Decide. I would go Etienne still. I'll. Who who are the Jaguars the Chiefs. playing? Chiefs. Uh, yeah, I'll probably I'll take ETN there, but James Conner, I do like I I would put him, you know, easily in the top fifteen this cool. week. I'll say a big winner from week one was a guy who didn't even play. Yeah, he didn't even play because he we was, like this guy. We like this guy uh, for way too long now. But Zach Moss, come on down. He won a full time workload in week one by not playing because Deion Jackson was so bad. He got 77 percent of the Colts offensive snaps and he, he couldn't have been worse. 13 carries for 14 yards. 1.1 yards per carry. He had five receptions for 14 yards. Yikes. And he also lost two fumbles. Like, he was the reason this team lost the game. And they were in it, like, till the end. You should, and if he hadn't fumbled. You should see the Colts reporters this, like, today. I've never seen so much excitement for Zach Moss in my life. <laughs> it's hilarious. They're acting like they're he's their savior because he, he came back to practice today. He's going to, it looks like he's good to go for week two. 
But he literally, the reporters are like, oh my God, Zach Moss is here. We need this so bad. And I'm like, this is hilarious. Well, because- well, well. How the turntables. Like that... <laughs> Zach Moss has to be feeling pretty good. Hopefully about, he can hope. actually do something. We'll see because, you know, we've gotten our hopes up before. He did look good at the end of the year when he had his opportunity. He looked to be fantastic called. last okay, year. Fantastic is a stretch, but he looked good. And he does get the Texans who they looked better than they did last year. On knocked, your ass, the Ravens. knocked your ass out of the fantasy playoffs. Yeah, Zach Ba-boom. Moss did. Uh, but he does get the Texans who just allowed three rushing touchdowns to Baltimore. And I... I think Zach Moss is a, a playable asset this week. I'd still would go with Algier and Connor and obviously ETN over Moss, but I think Moss should have some good production this week. I might rank Moss over Algier. It's close. It's close. That, sure. Like, you know, Moss is going to touch the ball. You know, Algier is times. too, though. Well, 20 20. Plus. Yeah. No, I don't know if Moss is going to touch it 20 plus times. Uh, Deion Jackson had, I guess, 19 touches. Damn. Man, he was so bad. 19 touches, 28 yards. He had more touches than he had yards. <laughs> that is so funny to me. Oh, it was 18 touches, 28 yards. I just messed that up really bad. Yeah, I yeah. messed that up really bad. That's okay. Uh, math is hard. Uh, moving on, Kyron Williams running back for the Rams. He's a riser after mean- week one, but I don't like him this week because he's playing against the 49ers. So if you were able to pick him up off waivers, keep him on your bench because I'm not playing this dude in week two. But he did play 67% of snaps. While Cam Akers only played 33%. Akers did lead the team with 22 carries, but 12 of those came in the fourth quarter in garbage time. And he was, again, like, I don't so know what's bad. wrong with these running backs this week. So bad. 22 carries for 29 yards, 1.3 yards per carry. It's not like Kyron Williams is great. He averaged three and a half yards per carry, and it was against the Seahawks run defense that was pretty bad last year. Maybe they improved. But it does look like Sean McVay is preferring Kyron Williams right now. Cam Akers is not – like, I'm also fading Kyron Williams, but, like, Cam Akers is a guy that I'm not even starting in like desperation mode. No. Um, based on that usage, like he touched the ball when he was on the field, but like those touches, like you said, came in the fourth quarter. Once they were kind of like coasting out the rest of the game, I cannot trust that this team is going to get a nice early lead on the 49ers to put them in a situation where they're like, okay, Cam Akers, here's the ball. Like I, I just cannot fathom that and it like even in dynasty leagues where i'm you know with a, a short or, you know a relatively short list of players that i can swap in and out i'm still not touching cam makers if that's any indication of where yeah, we're no, at no, it, no no yeah he's not playable this week and kyron williams is barely playable like but more uh, I'm so not, i'm not playing running backs against the 49ers especially kyron williams and cam Akers. uh a guy you were super high on this offseason, and I was not. Brandon Ayuk, he destroyed the Steelers in week one. He caught eight targets for 129 yards and two touchdowns. He was never covered. This guy was never covered. Except for the, he did make an amazing catch in the end zone. And he was, that was like the one time they had good coverage on him. And he still came down with it. Yeah. So he he was covered on one of his eight targets, but he still came down with the ball for a touchdown. He looked really, really good. And it seems like Brock Purdy really prefers to throw to Brandon Ayuk and he favors him over Debo. 
Uh, George Kittle was very little involved. The thing with this offense, though, is next week could be a George Kittle game or next week could be a Debo Samuel game. So it's not like I'm saying Brandon Ayuk is a top 10 wide receiver here on out, but it is nice to see that connection he has with Brock Purdy. Yeah, and I, I think generally the like sentiment of Brandon Ayuk throughout this offseason is that like, remember last year he started out the year, like felt like he was kind of in the doghouse and like it, it felt very much like that wasn't the case this off season. It seemed like the reporters and the beat reporters there in San Francisco felt like this was going to be a good year for Brandon Ayuk and that he really found his stride in the offense. So nice to see that kind of right out of the gate for Brandon Ayuk, even if it came against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, another guy who had a big fantasy day Ooh. was Kendrick Bourne, Patriots, yeah. wide receiver. Yeah. And another guy who had a big day, the tight end one overall on the week, Hunter Henry. Your guy. Same team. Yeah. And also Kendrick Bourne should also be my guy, but I was too nervous to have him up this off season. But you know who has a strong connection with Kendrick Bourne? It's Mac Jones, Mac Jones and Kendrick Bourne. Like they, they had a strong connection before this year. It's just Bourne didn't really have any opportunities because Jacoby Myers was the top guy there. Uh, but Bourne played 71 out of 78 snaps, had 11 targets, caught two touchdowns and I just want to read a little a little stat for you real quick. Okay. So over their years together, Mac Jones and Kendrick Bourne, so since 2021, they have a passer rating duo at 112.3. So when Mac Jones targets, targets Kendrick Bourne, he has a passer rating of 112.3. Only three other current quarterback wide receiver duos right now have a higher passer rating together that's Tua with Jalen Waddle Tua with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Hurts with AJ Brown so this Mac Jones Kendrick Bourne connection it's it's nice and it's something I'm keeping an eye on and I really like to see that he had 11 targets and two touchdowns in this game Mac Jones hasn't thrown a ton of touchdowns in his career right he's at 39 right now for his career 11 of those have went to Hunter Henry eight of them have gone to Kendrick Bourne and then you know, nine combined have gone to Jacoby Myers and Nelson Aguilar, who are not, not on the team anymore, and no one else has more than two. So I feel like the guys who are going to catch these touchdowns this year are Bourne and Henry, and those are the two you can play. Like, yeah. I'm more interested in Kendrick Bourne more moving forward than Juju. Oh, yeah, for, for sure. I mean, Juju saw very limited usage. Um, who knows if that's like a health thing? I have no idea. Well, um, also the matchup. I told I, you know, the whole narrative with the Eagles. Hey, yeah. I mean, <laughs> after the Valentine's Day tweet, they were determined to shut down Juju. I was certain of it, and they did. But they also like they, you know, he wasn't nearly as involved from like a snap percentage either. So, um, Kendrick Bourne uh, over the last uh, three years that he's. He's been playing with the New England Patriots. New England. Uh, New England Patriots. Uh, three games with 20 or more P- uh, PPR points. Uh, half PPR points. Sorry. Not bad. Um, for a guy that's literally just been like lurking in the shadows. Yeah, I don't think that's that bad. I, I feel like, uh, you know, given that sort of efficiency between him and Mac Jones, you love to see that. You love to see the usage, um, you know, in terms of his touchdown production. I really like Kendrick Bourne. I've had him on a, a dynasty basketball team for the last three years uh, since he he joined the New England Patriots. And you know what? 
he's won me several weeks. Probably each of those four four twenty point weeks, uh, he's he's won me some weeks. Like I I think there's some some upside there, and he showcased that when given the opportunity. So yeah, a, an eleven target game right out of the gate. You love to see it. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna shout out one other guy. Okay. I saw you skip over him in the show sheet, so I'm I'm circling back because I need to shout him out. Saints wide receiver Rashid Shahid, undrafted free agent in the 2022 draft class. I want to shout him out because he had a very efficient rookie season, and I I thought for sure this had to be an anomaly, right? Ranked second among wide receivers in passer rating when targeted, zero drops on the year, 2.6 yards per route run, ranked third among wide receivers, over 17 yards per reception that ranked seventh among wide receivers. He was a good wide receiver when he got opportunity. So you come out in week one and like, you know, you have Derek Carr, who's like got all of these weapons. Now you've got Chris Olave, you've got Mike Thomas, you've got, you've got all these guys. And I think most people expected Rashid Shahid to just kind of like go back into the abyss, but Six targets, five receptions, 89 receiving yards in a, in a touchdown. Um, you look at his efficiency, perfect passer rating when targeted, zero drops, 3.6 yards per route run that ranked fourth among wide receivers, just under 17 yards per reception. He was the wide receiver 11. I think he's somebody to to watch. Like the efficiency metrics, they lined up perfectly if, from like, last year if, if michael he, thomas deals with another injury i i do think rashid shaheed is someone to yeah, pick up and play but don't you think when alvin Kamara gets back there's just not gonna be enough targets and opportunity to go around for olave and michael thomas and Kamara and shaheed i'm just saying you like a he's probably still on your waivers right now um gets the panthers which i don't think is necessarily a terrible matchup i know they didn't give up much last week um, but I, I do think that he is a, a fine guy to to kind of stash and okay. see what happens with him. Because if he continues getting six to eight targets per game, which I would argue he's earned with that efficiency, he could be more relevant than we're projecting on a week-to-week basis. Rashid Shahid or Gabe Davis this week? Rashid Shahid. All right, that's our first uh, bet. That's our first one. Rashid Shahid versus Gabe Davis. I'll talk more about why I like Gabe Davis later, but I just wanted to get that first bet down. We'll figure out a second one here in a little bit. Let's hop on to the other side of things, right? We just talked about the biggest risers. Let's talk about some guys who really disappointed, and it feels like the biggest fallers heading into week two. Like, we're worried about them. These are actually things where I know I told us all to breathe, and some of these guys will end up being just fine. But these are the ones I'm most worried about. And it's Falcons wide receiver Drake London and tight end Kyle Pitts. I'm just going to put them together here. So Drake London had one target, zero receptions. Kyle Pitts had three targets, two receptions, 44 yards. Desmond Ritter had 18, 18 pass attempts. Nine of those pass attempts went to running backs. One of them ended up going to himself. I don't know who he was. I don't know know who he's actually trying to target, but that tip pass, like – there, there was at one point where, like, he had, um, like, if you looked at the box score, it was just so funny because, like, you saw Drake London, like, Drake London had nothing, and then it was, it was Desmond Ritter, one, <laughs> one target, one reception. It was just so bizarre. Yeah. So Desmond Ritter had more receptions than Drake London. So that that just means there was eight targets to go around to the rest of the team besides the running backs. 
I don't, I don't know if like they can keep holding up only having 18 pass attempts, but clearly, I mean, they won by two touchdowns, right? Clearly Arthur Smith wants this to be a rushing offense and it worked last week. So I don't expect them to come out in week two and change it up. And I, I can't start these guys until I see their usage increase. And if I have them on the bench and Drake London ends up getting 10 targets next week and goes off fine, but he's also playing against a Packers secondary. That's not an easy one to beat. I think they're going to run the ball a ton. And the only two guys I'm interested in, in this Falcons offense is Bijan Robinson and Tyler Algier and the rest yeah. of them. It's just going to be way too inconsistent. It's just so bizarre. Cause even like, I don't know. Arthur Smith has some sort of like vendetta against fantasy football. I don't know if he lost like a league really badly and it scarred him for life, but you can't even like, it's so funny that the media can't even ask him about Drake London, Kyle Pitts, because he's like, Oh, this isn't fantasy football, but it's like, or maybe you should be targeting these players that you drafted with top 10 draft capital in back-to-back years who are among yeah, some of the sk- most skilled players at their positions that you refuse to use. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me if like you want to be such a heavy uh, you know, rushing team and you don't want to utilize them, then why use the fourth overall pick on a tight end? And then uh, a top 10 pick on a wide receiver, like you could use those on more important positions for you, right? Like I, I think wide receiver is a very important position. Yeah. But if you're not just trying to like, utilize that offensive lineman, you know, you could have drafted Darnell <laughs> Washington to keep, you know, blocking like, yeah, I don't know. I do think like it can't stay like this for Drake London. We saw Desmond Ritter target Drake London like crazy last year. So I'm not ready to give up on him, but I mean, how long are you going to keep going with Kyle Pitts? Like he was still being drafted way too high. I don't understand. And now like you draft him high, you feel like you have to just keep starting him. I mean, how long are you going to give this dude to not be using like Arthur Smith has told us over and 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 over again. He doesn't want to use him as a receiver. Yeah, and the the thing is, you know, forty four yards isn't really that bad for a tight end, but three targets, two receptions is not promising. No, but like you know, the thing is, you are gonna you're gonna if you're a Kyle Pitts manager, you're gonna hold on, you're gonna hold on, you're gonna hold on, and then you're finally gonna give up. And the week you sit him for the first time is the week that he has one hundred and twenty yards. And I'm and fine with touchdowns. that because people kept saying that last year, and he, it never happened. So like, I'm fine with that. You can go off on my bench or like on the waivers. I don't know. I don't understand. This. Is this one of these moves where you literally just cut him? Just try to trade him for anything. Just trade him. Maybe maybe you can get Dallas Goddard, who just put up zero receptions. Calvitz for Dallas Goddard. I would prefer that all day, every day. Uh, another one that was a big disappointment, and it's because of the usage. It's DJ Moore. Uh, this was super worrisome. The whole Bears offense came out really bad, really flat. Justin Fields did not look good. Uh, I do think Justin Fields will be fine for fantasy. A little bit worried that he's not going to take this huge step that uh, I thought. But again, it's only week one. I'm going to breathe it out. DJ Moore, two targets, two receptions, 25 yards. The biggest issue here is that they did throw a ton. Fields had 37 pass attempts, and only two of them went to DJ Moore. Seven each to Darnell Mooney, Cole Komet, and Roshan Johnson. Five to Herbert, Khalil Herbert. Two to DJ Moore, who you just traded for. You traded the number one overall pick, I mean, for a lot of other things too, but DJ Moore was included in that. Two targets? That was really weird to me. Honestly, I think that was probably... DJ Moore's lack of involvement in 
the heavy involvement from Darnell Mooney, I think, was just like the biggest surprise of the day for maybe J.R. Alexander had. I, I would have to see like who he lined up against with the most. Maybe he was just shutting down DJ Moore, but still, you don't, yeah, weird. you just don't love. You don't love to see it, and like that's a matchup he's going to get twice a year. Um, you know, you, well, you they need to move to. him around more, utilize him, get the ball in his hands because we saw what he can do in the preseason. I mean, take it to the house. But um, this is also a big concern of mine. I hope this is not Stan Fields averages three point three air yards per attempt, which is what in the preseason we saw he had. I, I think negative or yeah, zero. But this can't be the new offense, like. You, you can't succeed that way. And it's not something that Fields has ever done in his career. A big reason why his completion percentage was lower and he had those turnovers is because his air yards were some of the highest in the league. Can we find a happy medium? It doesn't have to be the highest. It doesn't have to be like, insanely low. He has never had a game under five and a half air yards per attempt uh, as a starter. And now it dropped from to never having a single game as a starter at five and a half. To 3.3, that's got to change. That cannot hold up. So I am worried about DJ Moore in general. Yeah. But still willing to hold on and see. Those targets have to increase. They they traded a lot for him. Like, that has to increase. Uh, A guy who's – I – I don't think is going to get any better. It's Buccaneers running back Rashid uh, Rashad White, seventeen carries, thirty nine yards, two point three yards per carry, just two targets. I think Sean Tucker, the backup, undrafted free agent this year, is coming for that job because Rashad White has now shown us his whole rookie season. He wasn't efficient whatsoever. He looked really bad, and now in this first game, looked really really bad. Yeah, against the Vikings defense, who's not like. The, uh, a scary defense, right? They are a better rush defense than they are passing, but I don't love to see just two targets for him. I hate the efficiency, and I, I do think Sean Tucker, he was already active in week one, which is huge for any uh, undrafted guy. He got he was the backup. He got the second most carries on the team. I think he, as the weeks go on, if White doesn't start to get incredibly more efficient, Sean Tucker is going to keep eating into that job. Yeah. I, I I don't have anything to argue against. I'm it. not saying to pick up Sean Tucker yet because no running back might be good for this team. We're talking about an offense we don't expect to score a ton of points. I know the Buccaneers did win in week one, but they didn't put up a ton of points or yards. So, But, I, yeah, I, I don't know that that was necessarily thanks to their offense. I think that was, generally speaking, like, a, you know, part of that was failures on – the Vikings yeah. offense and that that's what contributed I think to that and then two running backs I'm not out on but I, I am a, a little worried about it's Dalvin Cook a eh, for the Jets because Brees Hall looked so stinking good and these were the snap counts for the Jets 26 for Dalvin Cook 17 for Brees Hall 12 for Michael Carter Michael Carter got a lot more than we would think too I just I think Hall is going to his snap count is going to start increasing and increasing and increasing and he just looks like the much better running back. So a little bit worried about Dalvin Cook there. And then uh, another Bears guy, running back Khalil Herbert, uh, someone that we're both super high on. Uh. I, I mean, this was the thing. It's not that he was bad, right? But he had 5 carries, 20 yards, or no, that was uh Roshan Johnson. How how much did uh, Khalil Herbert here? He was still he was a lead running back, right? He had 9 carries. 
And but he was splitting snaps with Deonta Foreman in the first half for no reason. Foreman looked terrible. And then in the second half, they went to Roshan Johnson when they were down a ton. Roshan Johnson didn't have a touch until the second half when they were down by a lot of points. So that's somewhat promising for Khalil Herbert. But Johnson looked good in his touches, so maybe they start to utilize him more. But this did just feel like a three-headed monster, which doesn't feel great. They should cut off at least one of those heads. Like, Foreman needs to go. (laughs) Foreman needs to go. I like the one thing that I think is like most concerning for me though is like when they were down, like it wasn't Khalil Herbert they went to. Like you saw a lot of involvement from Roshan Johnson as a receiver, ran 17 routes, was targeted on a high percentage of those routes, obviously contributing to Justin Fields's what three, some 3.3 air yards per target. Like that didn't help the situation either. Um, when you're down, obviously you want to throw the ball a bit deeper down the field. But, you know, I, I think the the fact that it was Roshan Johnson there and get the one getting those opportunities, the one that they trusted in those situations, I don't love it. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, moving on to our last segment here. Players who were... Not so great in week one, but we're not saying they're fallers, right? We think they're going to come back in week two. We think they're going to have good performances. These are guys that we're saying, yes, we know they were bad in week one, but trust them in week two. And not necessarily all of them were terrible, right? Because our first guy here is Jared Goff. He wasn't terrible, but he didn't put up a huge fantasy day or anything. But now he gets to play at home against a favorable defense with the Seahawks. When Jared Goff is at home, you play him, right? I mean, that's that's been the case. Yeah. Um, Average. Like it's been the only time you've been able to play him has been at home in that dome. He averaged over 21 fantasy points per game in at home last year. 23 of his 29 total season passing touchdowns came at home. We just saw Puka Nakua and Tutu Atwell like just destroy the Seahawks defense. Right. Secondary. So you would expect a Monroe St. Brown is going to have a huge day. And I think Jared Goff has a really nice day in week two and this is the guy i'm super excited to play in fantasy i I think you can if he's on waivers you can pick him up and throw him in there yeah i think he's probably like if if you want to give him the streamer of the week sort of designation like if you wanted to throw tua on your bench and uh oh yeah start jared goff i would be down for that a hundred percent jared goff absolutely over over Tua, like far and away over Tua. Um, like in terms of, you know, this being a home game, you love that for the entire offense. Like the entire offense was more productive at home, but I, I definitely think that all started with Jared Goff. I think we're going to continue to see some more involvement from Jameer Gibbs in this yeah, game. Yeah, so that was the second guy I was going to bring up here. Jameer Gibbs against the Seahawks. You might be a little bit worried off because he – Played a, a, a very little amount of snaps last week, right? And David Montgomery definitely had the hold over that job in the backfield. He David Montgomery had 78% of the Lions' snaps, 21 carries, while Gibbs saw just seven carries, 28% of the snaps. But Gibbs looked really good. Like, every time he touched the ball, he looked really, really good. He was super explosive. I expect Gibbs' snaps to start to increase. Now, that was a huge game. Uh, like, against a really – against the Chiefs, you know, it was in such a big moment. I feel like they were protecting the rookie a little bit there. They relied more on their veteran 
David Montgomery st- is still a fine play, but I do think Gibbs is going to start to build up his snaps here. So I don't want anyone to be worried and sit him this week. Like, just keep playing him. No, I, I ride it out. It, ride it out. It just ride out. Like any of these, I, I think Lions are viable plays, uh, you know, here in week two at home. The Seahawks um, allowed have allowed the third most fantasy points to running back uh, since the start of last year. So a really nice matchup for him as well. A very nice matchup. And one more stat quickly on uh, Jared Goff, home and away last year. Average 20, uh, 21.39 fantasy points per game. Thank yeah. you for being so specific. You're welcome. I love giving two decimal places. <laughs> yes, you I too. love rounding to the hundredths. Um, you love to see that production because that like 20.21.39 fantasy <laughs> points that would have been good for like QB3 this week. And play yeah, it's gonna be a, a great game. You would have heard me if you're listening to me say that he scores over 21 fantasy points at home, uh, but you weren't listening because you were looking up your decimal points that you were you needed to know. <laughs> silence all right we'll talk about a guy you love to make you happier <sighs> now that i just made you sad damian pierce yeah we're a bad week for him in week one we i mean i knew it you did not because you bet against me it was in baltimore we knew this offense wasn't going to move very well in baltimore and hey, you know they moved a little bit better than i even thought but now it goes against the colts you expect this game to stay closer it's not going to be a, a big win i don't think on either team i don't even know who would win this game like i can't pick i've just had the flip a coin right so we expect this game to be closer that should lead to more carries uh for damian pierce and he's just a a really good running back so i think he's a solid play three targets ran 21 routes in week one 12th most among running backs which i like to see are you going with jameer gibbs or damian pierce this week Uh, i'm easily gibbs yeah i think i probably have to go gibbs um but yeah, I guess I'll go Gibbs. Damian Pierce or James Conner? James Conner. Damian Pierce or Tyler Algier? Damian Pierce. Zach Moss or Damian Pierce in the same game? Oh, my God. <gasps> my, this is going to be the best game ever for me. <laughs> oh wow. Oh, my gosh. Well, uh, I I think Damian Pierce is going to outscore Zach Moss, but I'm kind of rooting for Zach Moss to outscore Damian Pierce, baby. Let's go. All right. Two wide receivers that one that was really lackluster and another that didn't perform as great as we thought. Mike Williams, you know, put up four receptions, 45 yards against the Dolphins. He kind of got injured there in the middle of the game. Shocker. I mean, he's injured a lot, but uh, you definitely felt like we were leaving some meat on the bones there in such a high matchup. But now that's, gets, what, that's what scares me, though, is that this was such a high scoring. But matchup. I will. Was, they ran so much. Right. The Chargers did so good on the ground. They, yeah. they really did against the Titans. The Titans have a really good run defense. They did last year and they shut down the Saints run game this first week. So I don't think the Chargers are going to be able to run as much. And then also Austin Eckler was out of practice and we don't even know if he's going to play. That would be huge, right? Because that's a lot of targets. That's a lot of rushing opportunities that are going to go away and more throwing to Mike Williams, hopefully. And the Titans allow a ton of deep uh, receptions and receiving yards. So I really, really love Mike Williams this week. I think he's a, a must play guy. And then another guy that's similar, Gabe Davis, who's just, it all comes down to those big plays for him, right? And he had a terrible game against the Jets, of course. The Jets don't give up big plays. And all of Davis's 
production comes from downfield targets. That's who he is. So you can't play him in terrible matchups like that. But against the Raiders, I think this is a matchup you can play him. I think Josh Allen is going to come out angry and mad. The Bills offense should score a ton of points Ooh. after, you know, being embarrassed by the Jets and losing to them with Zach Wilson on the other side. <laughs> and Allen had a bad game. He just kept throwing interceptions. So I expect this to be a huge output from the Bills offense this week. He needs a haircut. Yeah, he does need a haircut. I think that will fix him. But per PFF, Davis ran, Gabe Davis ran the third most routes among all wide receivers in week one. I mean, that's the type of workload we want. He's going to be out there on the field. It's a much nicer matchup than what they had last week. And I expect Josh Allen to ball out. So uh, I think Gabe Davis is a nice play this week. Yeah, I agree. And then last but not least, Darren Waller. Yeah. Darren Waller did not do much of anything in week one, but it's because uh, the Giants didn't even score a point. That is absurd. 40 to zero. They got their booties kicked even more than the Steelers got their booties kicked. Yeah. Like it, the one, the one thing Steelers fans had to hold on to after week one is at least we're not the Giants. Like (laughs) that was the only thing there was, but like Darren Waller, you like that he led the team in targets, but dealing with this hamstring issue, which I think is kind of concerning. Um, don't know how that's going to shake out. There's like, uh, some, some like concern that apparently it's like a sciatic nerve issue too. Like it, I don't. Yeah. He said it was a nerve issue. It doesn't sound great, but this is a, if he's out there, right. He did leave the team in targets, you know, Daniel Jones likes him. If he's out there, this is a great matchup against Arizona. Who's really bad against tight ends. So he should be better this week. But if he does have a big week, maybe that's when you try to trade him because this nerve issue is worrisome and we don't know. I mean, nerves isn't something you just fix quickly or ever. Yeah, I don't I don't know what what's up with with that whole nerve thing. But if he's playing, I I will play him. Now we need to come up with a second bet because I don't want to get off this podcast without having two bets. So let's figure one out. All right. Ooh. Are you high on George Pickens this week? Mm, no. Cool. I, I like him this week. So I'm going to go George Pickens. Who are you high on? Who do you want to put up against me for George Pickens? Ooh, this is so fun. Okay, so George Pickens versus... Ooh, ooh. Um, You're going to name someone like A.J. Brown or something. <laughs> <laughs> No, um, George Pickens versus, uh, um, that's a great question. Well, maybe you should have started looking when, uh, I was looking at mine. Oh, that would have been crazy. This is such a good versus Garrett Wilson. Oh man. Okay. I'll take it. George Pickens versus Garrett Wilson. I don't even know if I love it, but let's roll. We're going to roll with that. (laughs) I I think it's a fair one. I think it's fair. So we're going to roll with that one as our second bet. So we have Rashid Shahid over Gabe Davis, weirdo. And then George Pickens over Garrett Wilson. One for one. Each of us in week one, we're going to keep track of this. Oh, yeah. So we're doing drink bets each time, right? But then we're going to have to do some like major one at the end of the year with all of this record tallied. Like a mayo bet. Oh, man. All right. I'll have my fire and ice article out tomorrow on the game day. So you can see where I have every player ranked in terms of categories I put out there. 
uh, give that a read, please. Uh, Kate has a ton of fantasy articles coming out all the time. So just check out her Twitter. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter or X. You can find me, Michelle, at Ballblastem, Ballblast, E-M. And you can find me, Kate, at Kate Majuk. Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye.